It's the True Penny Show. With your host, James True Penny. Hello and welcome to the Troopany Show. My name is James Troopany and this is my show. And we are back at the G1 Climax Tournament. And we're looking at nights 9 and nights 10 uh, from Nagayo Aichi Prefectural Gymnasium. And, well, Nagayo Aichi Prefectural Gymnasium. And to discuss this momentous event is Mr. Marcus Green. How are you, sir? I'm good. Glad to be back. I got... I had to give me a couple rounds in on this uh, illustrious tournament. Uh, it is. True. <laughs> oh, don't worry, we have got other voices coming to you as well. Alex Watt will be back with us at the weekend, and Mo Chatter will make his grand return to the Troopany Show next week, we hope. <laughs> we'll be lining everything up. But thanks to Ash Rose Nova, who's, who's stoically held the fort down with me for the last few episodes. Um, what are your thoughts on the G1? Because it's been a couple of weeks since we talked to you. How is it things panning out for you as a watching experience? I think this has been one of my favorites. I mean, the tournament is always great. Uh, probably one of the best uh, wrestling events of the year, hands down. But uh, like we talked about uh, in our last show, I think that the infusion of this new blood has really kind of revitalized it in a way. Um, it kind of upped the tournament's game. It's even kind of seemed like it's made the tournament go by faster, if that, you know. That's even possible because, you know, like I said, tournaments always great, but sometimes it's very much an arduous affair to get through. Um, but yeah. because of the matchups and these new names and the blood and just the narrative, the new narrative that's going on, it really keeps things exciting. No, I completely agree with you that. Also, I think because they've spaced it out over more days, people have got more rest and have tried harder. Um, yeah. So though, even though the tournament's taking longer, it actually feels quicker. And also, we have more chance to catch up on stuff. I think they possibly did that because of the international audience and because not everyone gets a chance to watch everything live, certainly in North America. So yeah. the fact that you can like have a couple of days breather between the, the big matches means that you know that makes things a lot easier to deal with. Um, yeah. And then also, like from a wrestler's point of view, three days off after you've like been bounced around by Lance Archer is a lot better than two days off if you've been bounced around by Lance Archer. <laughs> so, um, yeah, makes things a lot better to deal with. Right then, well, I'll go to the first night. Suzuki Gun, we're in a tag match. Minoru Suzuki, who's still yet to fully unleash his ire on New Japan Pro Wrestling. We will see what he does. Uh, Minoru Suzuki, Taichi, uh, Yoshinubi Kanemura. They defeated Jeff Cobb, Ren Narita, and Yota Suji in 8 minutes 46 seconds. Bullet Club, Chase Owens, Jay White, New Jiro Takahashi with Ghetto defeated Juice Robinson, Toa Henry, and Tamaki Honma. Tomohiro Ishii and Tori Yano defeated Hiroki Goto and Yoshihashi in 7 minutes and 15 seconds in an all-chaos affair, building up to their matches for the B-Block. And Los Ignorables, Dehapon, Shingo Takagi, and Tetsuya Nato defeated John Moxley and Shota Umino. Uh, Shota, as Ashley calls him, belt bitch to John Moxley, has been tagging with him and... The backstage commentary has been very, very good with those two. They have a chemistry together, which I think is, works magically. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know how I'm too keen on the name, but <laughs> but it, it's been worse things that we've seen. So you know, hopefully this uh, this sees a uptick in Umino post uh, Moxley because we kind of just got to enjoy Moxley right now forever long. We have him with things uh, coming up in October, so. That is true. We will see what happens with him. But, uh, you know, he's putting his all into the G1. Uh, we'll talk about him on B-Block on the next night. But anyway, 
To the serious business, Kota Ibushi defeated Lance Archer in 11 minutes and 42 seconds in the first block match of the night. This was a bit of a corker, as we've been saying a lot for Lance Archer, which I think me and you both would have said uh, we were we really didn't have high hopes for Lance, to be honest, when we started. It's yeah. like, you know, but he's come out all guns firing. It's like back in the Impact days, he is this phenomenal big man wrestler. He wrestles unlike anyone else. You know, I was watching Night 11, which I won't talk about till Saturday with Alex, but like he's doing incredible things for a guy of that age and that size. And Kota Bushi, who was a real kind of like, brings out the best in people over and over again. This really worked well for him. So 11 minutes and 42 seconds. What's your thoughts on this one, Marcus? You got somebody who sells death to perfection and somebody who gives death to perfection. In, in <laughs> uh, you know, in a new form. I mean, the guys, like you said, it's, he's been a real breath of fresh air. Um, he could he could have kind of just sat back and kind of just been in the lull, you know, after um, Davey left and kind of just coast. But that's not what he's been doing. He's really made himself a standout in this tournament, even with uh, packing on some losses. But, you know, a lot of his matches are, are must-see just because of the intensity and the, and the elevated level of... Uh, just everything that he, he's bringing. Um, and it really, I mean, he's put a new stank on the choke slam. So, you know, Oh, yeah. Yeah. So oh, that's, yeah. And to do that, like I said, against somebody who, uh, like Kota Bushi, who just sells death like no other. Um, it, it, <laughs> it truly made it for a great um, match. And then just one moment, which this makes this like a successful loss for Archer. Like when he took that that uh, that first Kamagoye. Yeah. And then, and then stagger and fire back up, and then then obviously Coda had to you know really hit him with a third knee. I mean, I thought that that just spoke volumes for you know what we could get from Archer down the line. But it, it was a great match and a great test for Coda, uh, who you like say is bring the best out of everybody. So yeah, definitely. Right, the next round matchup was Will Ospreay. He defeated Bad Luck Farley in nine minutes and eight seconds. The longer it goes for Farley, the more frustrated he gets, and the more likely he is to lose. And here was a classic example. Uh, though, having said that, Chase Owens and Jado did him no favors, let's be honest. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, Ashley's probably still smarting about another Bullet Club loss about this, so I probably won't talk too much about it. However, young William takes the win by disqualification when Red Shoes uh, came down after Matthew Sami had been hurled by Bad Luck Farley from one side of the ring to the other, accidentally, I might add. And... Red Shoes counts the, counts the fall after the grenade. I think it was after the bad luck fall. Counts the two, then flips the bird and disqualifies bad luck Farley. Um, which doesn't help with uh, our protestations that Red Shoes is completely impartial, but was perfectly justified, in my opinion. Because yeah. um, <laughs> <laughs> the chaos guy won. So therefore, I'm happy. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, for me, I mean, this is this was probably, uh, I mean, one of my favorite things about the last time we talked was uh, well, always just hearing your 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 gleeful exuberance about Yano, uh, <laughs> and, and I and I felt the same way about I felt the same way about um, Red Shoes in this match when it happened because this this match was kind of just meh for me, and then that happened, and then I was yeah. like, finally, there's justice in the world. Like, I, literally, <laughs> I literally popped when he did it. Because, like you said, it's one hundred percent justified. Not just because of the the the, the um, to the extent in which they were going to cheat against Osprey, who, to be quite honest, I mean it is Osprey. I mean you do kind of got to pull out all the stops. But uh, for Red Shoes, because Red Shoes gets tossed around a lot, like the abuse against not only the 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 ring guys, 
but uh, the referees can sometimes be a little excessive for me because I'm like, normally these guys will get thrown out, but there's a level of lenience that that's allowed in New Japan. So to see something like this, you know, hashtag no, Red Shoes 316 was phenomenal for me. So, yeah, this was definitely a, a highlight of the tournament for me. Definitely, yeah. It was a, a lot of fun, this matchup. And uh, props to Bad Luck Fire. Like, like I keep saying, he always delivers. He's never going to be loose says, let's be honest. But yeah. he does produce good matches that are required of him at the time. He's a handy guy to have around. Um, the next matchup was Evil, who defeated Zack Sabre Jr. The RF Pro, you British, undisputed British heavyweight champion, is having a rough time of it in this tournament. And this 16-minute match was a good example of the things that he just wasn't getting right in the story. However, the match was itself thrilling. I did really enjoy this. Zack has got a long way to go if he wants to even get a standard chance in this particular tournament. But the maths for him in this block seem a little bit easier than the maths in the other block for some other people. So we'll see how that goes on. Evil takes the win, though. Six points, 16 minutes of a purebred wrestling match. What are your thoughts on this, Marcus? Yeah, yeah, same as you. Uh, great matchup. Um, you know, this, this, this is another one of those rivalries that kind of never gets old just because not only the, the match quality that we get from it, but just the, the overall narrative that's being told. Um, this match was, this win was desperately needed for Evil, not just for the points, but just for, like I said, uh, just for morale, really. Because, um, you know, Zach has been handing him losses for a while. Um, consistent that he's really been a thorn in, in, in the side of evil as he is for everyone but specifically evil um, so this this you know he had a multiple reasons to beat Zach and I like the story that was told because he's, he's faced him so many times now he's really up on his game so a lot of stuff he had countered um, and really I uh, was able to see through and just really just power through to hit that everything is evil and finally got a win over this guy to kind of get that proverbial monkey off his back. And as you said, Zach continues to kind of a downward spiral in this tournament, despite, I think, last year really just uh, showing out. So, you know, that's that's another story that we see him playing out. His reasoning for this is because Bruce, um, Boris Johnson has become prime minister, and I quite agree with him. I, I, <laughs> it's like, if you're not British, right, this, this seems kind of trivial that we have this bladder on a stick as prime minister. Um, but uh, if you live here, then it's hilariously bad and awful and distracting because every time I turn the news on, there is our prime minister being booed somewhere. Like I'm not kidding, right? You may not have seen this. He went. He was outside on the day of his election, his first public appearance. There were protesters booing him as he gave his maiden speech outside Ten Downing Street. He went to Scotland when he arrived at the first minister's residence. There were people booing him in the street outside the first minister's residence. Yesterday, he went to Wales to the the assembly, uh, the the first minister of the assembly's residence, and was booed there. Um, off to Northern Ireland next week. I wonder what will happen to him there. One of the most <laughs> but, consistent British heels. I love it. Uh, he he is, yeah, he is the. Uh, I'm trying to think. I mean, he's the well. I can't really think. See, see, most heels are very conniving and, um, you know, intelligent, and he's just not. So <laughs> he promises the world and nothing will come of it, but there you go. So, yeah, yeah. Zach is distracted quite uh, readily by the um, uh, British Prime Minister and the current, what's the phrase, shit show of a cabinet that he's put around. As, a, as an American, <laughs> I truly know the feeling. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, 
Piri Patel, who was, um, you know, sacked from her job for trying to create her own foreign policy when she was international development minister, is now the Home Secretary. And Dominic Grab, who didn't know that Britain was an island, apparently, is now Foreign Secretary, because that's just the guy who wanted that job. <laughs> Anywho, uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi and Sonata, 18 minutes and seven seconds, was a bit of a corker, actually. Not as good as some of their outings in the past. And I do think Hiroshi's ongoing ailments were kind of telling in this match. But it's kind of just part of the story of Hiroshi Tanahashi. Whatever's wrong with him, he turns into his advantage and makes part of the story. And this was another classic case of that. Uh, Sonata on another one who was should have been done better in this particular tournament. But with so many new names you're trying to go over, that causes a problem, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it does. And as a, as a big Sonata guy... Um... You know, it's kind of been disappointing in a way. But one thing, and, and I wanted to get your opinion on this because I've just been watching, obviously, and, and seeing things, kind of like what happened with um, Kashida against Hiromu. Um, he he kind of ended up having to add some things to his arsenal, um, as well as his attitude to eventually overcome uh, Hiromu in their long-gone feud. I think Sonata, too, could benefit from maybe adding a move or two, specifically a finishing one to his arsenal, uh, because it's, it's very easy to, to, to kind of call his hand with with skull in yeah true yeah. i mean uh, yeah. we have seen so many counters to skull end in this tournament and yeah. uh, it's not the all applying death now that it used to be also i think as well the softening of the character going from like the biker character to this kind of like swashbuckling pirate character and asking for the fans' approval isn't very tranquilio, is it? You're supposed to be just cool, aren't you? And I think, you know, that's I think that's part of the character development. But again, I think it is problematic for him as far as like winning's concerned because he doesn't look as snapped on deathly as he did two years ago, does he? Yeah, yeah. And against against you know Tanahashi, whether he's injured or otherwise, like we said, even when he's you know at half percent, he's still you know percentages ahead of everybody else. So. Um, like you said, not not their best outing, but you know a, another telling thing for Sonata, and obviously the ongoing thing with Tanahashi just continuing to, to overcome his limits. So a solid solid outing for both. Oh yeah, I mean it, it's never bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it it's um, it it was just it was just good, but it, that's the thing is like we're kind of used to so much more from both of them. That it was yeah. a tad disappointing, which now, and I, I hate to say it because you look at this particular tournament and it's been the best G1 for years. And last yeah. year's was incredible. And it mm. is just like, I don't want to do anybody down, you know, either because the, they both worked incredibly hard in this particular matchup. But I think as well, you're right with Sonata, he does need to change things up a little bit and come up with some new stuff. And there's plenty in his back catalogue he could go back to. Or go back in the history of Muta and and find new things from the old stuff that Muta used to do, you know, power drive elbows and things like that that no one else really has taken on board. So we'll yeah. see. Yeah, no, you know, I... yeah. Go I ahead. was going to, I was going to say because remember the the one thing that Muta was kind of like famous for was like his innovation. He there was no one like Muta and exactly. Sonada. There are several wrestlers like Sonada, so he needs to stand out from the crowd really. Exactly. Uh, but one, one broad note for, for Tanahashi, this was, I think, the first match in the tournament that he put somebody away with the high fly flow? Yeah, it was. This was He started to break it out uh, a little bit more. I think his knees are of sufficient 
recovery. See, this, this is the thing. And, you know, with guys who do moves like that, Keiji Muto doesn't do the moonsault very often anymore. He's almost retired now um, yeah. and will only pull a moonsault out for special occasions because it hurts too much for him to do it. He shot his knees 20 years ago doing it and still doing it now is not very sensible after a couple of operations and, you know, and for guys like Tanahashi, who, you know, it, it's when you pull the high fly flow every night for 15 years, it does things to your knees. There's, there's no two ways about it. You know, yeah. uh, for a guy like Akada, who rarely goes to the top rope, maybe once in a match, and certainly not in every match, his career trajectory is a lot longer just because he's, he's not taking those bumps on the knees, which is... You know, back in the old days, back in the 70s, uh, I can remember certain wrestlers saying, like, the big career shortener in the 70s was those terrible rings that they had, and everyone blew their knees out because they kept landing on these hard surfaces. And certainly in Mexico, it affects the way that they land. You know, Mexican, res Mexican wrestling rings are about as, have as much given them as iron safes. So, you know, they all learn to roll. You, one of the reasons why you have planches, suicidas, and... Uh, Topic on helos in in um, lucha libre is because it's far safer to land on the floor outside the ring than it is to land in the ring. So yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it's one of those things for Tanahashi is going to have to deal with as he gets older. And there is you know they obviously like uh, questions about whether he's going to have a good wrestling life after wrestling as well. Those are the questions he has to ask himself at these this particular point in his career. Yeah, such an interesting thing, too, because I don't think a lot of fans take into account like, just how much damage is truly being done, even without the contact. Like, you're already hitting those ropes constantly. Yeah, um, yeah. And then, then the mat and then, God forbid, you know, in New Japan, you're going to you know gonna be taken outside into those guardrails, and God forbid the hardest person in New Japan comes out, a.k.a. the table. And it's just, <laughs> it, it, it's a lot, but just, you know, just looking at the moves that do damage, I mean, like the tombstone, that's that's hitting your knees. You know, um, you know, transferred over to somebody like Nikki Bella, who, you know, really almost took herself out of the business completely with with her own finisher because she was bringing people down on her neck with a torture rack um, drop, if you will. So, you know, I don't think people really take into account sometimes just even though things look really cool, just how detrimental it is to these uh, these performers. Yeah, definitely. It's it's just it's it's constant grind from day to day. Even the simple stuff is not that easy on your body. You know, taking bumps is is not much fun. That's why there are such things as bump cards, you know, and there are only so many you can take. So, but anyway, speaking of career-threatening matches, <laughs> Kazuchika Okada and Kenta, 26 minutes and 53 seconds, where they not loving bells out of one another. This was a historically important match. The longtime ace of Noah facing the longtime ace of New Japan Wrestling it doesn't get much bigger than this in Japanese wrestling. This was the dream matches of dream matches, and they didn't disappoint. Uh, this was hard work for both of them, though, and this, these are the kind of matches that certainly do shorten your career in short order, but it was absolutely stunning to watch, and the effort both of them pour in. Akada takes the two points, takes the lead off Kenta. Kenta has dropped a couple, uh, but he is still at a really, really good tournament, and have done enough to kind of establish him as a New Japan guy. The fans may have not have taken to him yet, and I don't think they will do for a while because he's still a Noah guy as far as they're concerned. But Kazuchika Okada, 10 points, looking unbeatable. Marcus, your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I'm right there with you. Um, you know, this is definitely um, one I was definitely looking forward to and, and a necessary one, really, specifically with him kind of staking his claim in terms of, uh, you know, um, 
being taken seriously in New Japan. I mean, I think it's it's interesting for me because I don't have that uh, that knowing New Japan um, uh, interesting history to say the least. That could have some tension to it to to really pick a side. For me, Kenta is, is really really you know just slid in quite smoothly in this this New Japan form, and I think it's taking something like the New Japan environment, specifically the G1, with this level of competition to really, um, like I said, stake his claim at a much faster rate, you know, at, at that, that level of intensity that he needed to bring after what we didn't get from him when he was overseas. So, um, you know, going against somebody like Okada that's deep in the tournament, he's been tearing through things and just really, uh, I'm trying to see if it was this match or something else, but uh, it almost took me back to Taz. Cause now every time he chops, it's like way to lose an areola, <laughs> and, that's, and that's and that's really how Kenta's chopping now. Like he's on that level, and just to, just to stopping in mid match and doing the strikes and whatnot. And he's also not afraid to do those head butts, which still make me cringe because Allah, obviously, yeah, yeah. But uh, he's yeah, he's Shibata, not, yeah, yeah. You know, and uh, you know, God bless Shibata. But yeah, just he's not afraid to go to any gear. Um, but but Okada is that next level, and uh, you know these two. This this will not be the last time we see these two clash. But this was a great great match. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think the the thing is, I mean, with with the um, the thing is with Kenta as well. We haven't had this kind of thing from him in WWE, and you yeah. kind of got to think like, what's Triple H thinking watching these matches? If he gets a chance to see them, it's like, why couldn't we have that Kenta? You know, but it was like that those rough edges were kind of smoothed out of him in the performance center. And I don't think necessarily the performance center is the right thing for certain people. I mean, he went, he tried, he did his best, and it just doesn't fit what Kent is about. I knew Japan isn't necessarily what he's about, but it's a lot closer to what he's about than the WWE is. You know, David Harry Smith, David Boy Smith Jr., did say the similar things that when he went from WWE to New Japan Pro Wrestling. The shackles were taken off. He could do what he wanted to do. Moxley has said the same thing. There are some guys who just don't work in that WWE environment. And there's nothing wrong with the WWE if that's what you want to do. But there are some guys who thrive in this kind of environment. And he is one of those guys who thrives here. This is where he should be. Um, this kind of palette that he can use is to create tension and create matches. He's not as fast as he used to be. He's not as crisp as he used to be. But there's time for that to come back i think and i'm intrigued to see what they're going to do with Kenta in the long term because i think he's a guy who's going to be stopping around for a long time yeah definitely right then we move on to night 10 ren narita defeated ua umura in seven minutes and 25 seconds in a uh, young boys match bullet club by book folly chase owens and yujiro takahashi defeated kota Ibushi, toa henry and tamaki honma suzuki gun lance archer minoru suzuki yoshibu nakamura and zack saber jr defeated chaos Kazuchika Okada, Will Ospreay, and Yoshihashi with Shota Umino in 9 minutes and 35 seconds. Los Ignorables de Japon, Bushi, Evil, and Sonata defeated Hiroshi Tenzan, Carl Fredericks, and Kenta. And Hiroki Goto, oh, sorry, we got to get, I'm kind of like rushing through things there a minute, but that was 8 minutes and 59 seconds. And then we went to the block matches. Now, Hiroki Goto is your favorite Chaos member, and Toriyano is one of my favorite Chaos members. And they managed to have a brilliantly entertaining match in 1 minutes and 42 seconds. The Sublime Master Thief's mojo is not working the way it should at the moment. He had some big wins against NATO, and then since then he's gone downhill against Juice Robinson, who was having none of it, and Hiroki Goto, who equally was having none of it. Um, but it was fun while it lasted. Yeah, I Hiroki. mean, that, 
<laughs> yeah, Yano, man, Yano is just a master thief. Uh, he really is. Um, and against somebody like Goto, and I'm really glad this came against Goto and Juice, two of my favorites, because that's they came with the attitude you need against Yano. You cannot play into his game. You have to be aggressive. <laughs> you have to be aggressive out of the gate. You have to see those low blows coming, and, and, uh, and you have to and you have to stick to the plan. You have to be ready for those roll ups because he's also the master. He's the master of the roll up now. Um, yeah. The schoolboy, like Captain Schoolboy. Um, yeah, so, the Captain Schoolboy. That's such a brilliant name. <laughs> that's right. uh, yeah, you have, you have to be ready for because he can he literally do that out of nowhere. So you know, for Goto and and, and Juice to both stick to that game and really pull out victories is pivotal because you know Yano is the ultimate spoiler, but Goto certainly needed to win. Yes, and speaking of Juice Robinson, Tomohiro Ishii and Juice Robinson in a match that scores 9.03 from the cage match users, 17 minutes and 54 seconds. This was brilliant. Just brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Ishii, some people have been arguing the last couple of weeks, is Ishii the best wrestler on earth at the moment? Now, obviously, Mako Satomura is still leaving and walking, so I won't say yes. But as far as male wrestlers is concerned, no one has produced better this year than Tomohiro Ishii. And this is his environment. This is the thing he loves. And Juice Robinson was well up for this. And Juice has done the things that Sonata hasn't done. He has changed his game. He's changed his attitude. He's more direct. He's brought out new stuff. He's kind of relying on those headbutts as well. This was a bit throat choppy for my tastes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, but it was an issue of respect. Tomohiro Ishii only brings out the throat chops against people he doesn't think he can beat. So, you know, Juice should take that as a compliment when he can talk again in three weeks' time. Uh, 17 minutes and 54 seconds. This was just brilliant. Marcus, your thoughts? It's just Yeah, just excellent. I mean, I, you know, I don't know if there's too many people. Obviously, like you said, the best conversation is always back and forth about stuff. It's just so subjective. But I don't know if there's too many wrestlers in the business that is concretely consistent as Ishii. Like, the, the guy yeah. is absolutely solid. You know, uh, we we rarely, I've rarely seen him injured since I've been watching New Japan. He's just been that guy. He's that that stable. He's that that guy that, you know, if you you're going up against him, you know it's going to be a test that you probably you might not uh, get through. And even if you manage to bypass him, it's not without its uh, uh, you know challenges. He's like the, the hell in the cell. You go in, and even if you win, you know it's taking something from you. So Juice learned that the hard way. But it's been real good. Even with watching Juice lose, it's been great to see, like you said, that uh. You know, just that change in attitude. He looks great. He's he's wrestling great. He's not hindered by some type of hand issue or anything like that. Really been dishing out that hand of God to a lot of people. But uh, yeah, he gave everything he had at Ishii. But uh, yeah, the Ishii is just on another level, and that vertical brain buster is just uh, it's intense. So um, this, yeah, like this was this was a bomb burn. Man, but Juice has thankfully have had a, had a few bomb burns in this tournament, which I'm really proud of. Yeah, definitely. I think last year was kind of like, I, I understand why they had to do it last year. There was stories going on elsewhere and they kind of had to downplay Juice. Whereas this year they've given him the run and he's taken it with both hands and that's what you're supposed to do. So yeah, Juice, uh, Juice is a company man as much as Ishii is. I can't see Juice Robinson going anywhere else other than New Japan Pro Wrestling for a long time and he's going to do his level best to get the best he can for this company because he loves working for New Japan, loves living in Japan, loves working for them, loves wrestling for them. Clearly, you know, you can see the enjoyment on his face, even though he's like sour and dour at the moment. You can yeah. see that he has body, his body language says, I love going to work every day. And that's something you need. Um, right. Next match up, Jeff Cobb. 
thank God, beats Tai Chi in 12 minutes and 30 seconds. Um, Cobb's kind of story has been unfulfilled promise in this particular tournament. He's not the guy he was six months ago who beat uh, Will Ospreay or was Ring of Honor TV champion. He's just kind of there. And that kind of suits Tai Chi at the minute because Tai Chi is the kind of guy who's currently trying to fight off some demons as well. And the story worked really, really well with this. Tai Chi being an underhanded jerk and trying to steal the match from Jeff Cobb and it didn't work out for him, which I applaud. Um, and yeah, it was perfectly reasonable for what it was. It was never going to be great because Tai Chi's in it. But it was fun. It was as good as it could be, I think. What do you think, Marcus? Yeah, I mean, I couldn't put it. No, I mean, I'm echoing those sentiments uh, 100%. You know, thank God, Cobb and agree with you he definitely has cooled off in a, in a, in a way and uh he he would do well not to not to necessarily become too much of a one-trick pony deep in his matches with that tour of the islands because he got the one point if it was this match or another i'm like is this is he on his fifth attempt on tour of the islands <laughs> but uh yeah yeah you know um hopefully he can find some kind of way to, to regain some of that momentum because i think you know that's what Cobb's heart is too is, is new japan you know he's uh it looks like he's kind of transformed himself a little bit too. I mean, obviously he's always been stacked, but he's seemed like he's kind of defined himself more a little bit. Um, yeah. So you know, hopefully he can he can you know maybe re- reinvigorated in a way by a few somewhere maybe after the tournament or something. Mm, we shall see. Now then, next match: Jay White is that a nightmare opening to this tournament? He lost to three <laughs> Chaos guys: Kuchizuchi Kurokada, Toriyano, and Hiroki Goto, and has to win six on the bounce to make any headway in this particular tournament. Next up for him was Shingo Takagi, and he beat him in 19 minutes and 26 seconds in an absolute thriller. Jay White, uh, you know, the thing is with Jay White, the the story is that he's like the most underhanded and hated guy in New Japan wrestling, whereas Shingo Takagi has been a veteran who's been there, done that, and seen everything. So this was a great way of laying that match out. Wasn't necessarily as good as it could have been, just yeah. slightly disappointing, but they left plenty on the table if they want to go again. Because I don't know what's going to happen to Shingo after this tournament. Is he going to stay as a heavyweight or is he going to go back to the juniors? I kind of like to see him as a heavyweight because I think he's done really well in this tournament. But then again, they've got an awful lot of heavyweights to play play with, haven't they? So we shall see. But yes, JY, excellent performance. Tingo Takagi, excellent performance. These guys work well together and I'd like to see these two wrestle again. What are your thoughts on this one, Marcus? Yeah, similar. Um, you know... Uh... It's funny because Shingo has uh, rapidly become one of my favorites to watch. Um, and Jay White has, has proven himself to me o- over time as he kind of built his way up through, uh, to get to that title. I think why well, I was kind of slightly disappointed why we said he knew it could do better because Jay doesn't really need all the Jado assistance. Yeah. You know, and, we, and we know that because we've seen him put on some really great affairs, uh, oftentimes to our uh, pleasant surprise. And uh, mm-hmm. we we know Shingo can turn it up, but um, he 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 needed to win. Uh, it sucks seeing Shingo lose. But was this the the match where he uh, kind of I think targeted his leg or knee? Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. So so he definitely he definitely used the combination of Gato and uh, you know the knee stuff, which is which is smart. And uh, he's he's become more cerebral and less cocky. Obviously, he has a, a narrative coming off too, uh, coming off that world title. So. Um, yeah, like you said, it definitely left some stuff on the table down the line. So That's it. I mean, Jay White has to get his mojo back. And whether that comes from Jado or anywhere else, he needs it at the moment because things are not going well. He obviously wants to get back to the IWGP Championship that he had a short taste of. But he's kind of the future of the company. This is where they're going to go on the heel side with Jay White. 
as a kind of like a dual ace with uh, Akada, but it, it's it's still some things to fix storyline wise. As a wrestler, I think he's the complete package, but he has got to kind of like get over a little bit more with the fans, and they will accept him as that super over heavyweight champion that he, that he didn't quite get to in that first reign. But as is the tradition in New Japan, your first reign tends to be short, your second one tends to be a lot longer. So we'll see how it goes when he eventually gets there, because I think he will. Yeah. Right then, main event of this night was John Moxley versus Tetsuya Nato. Moxley goes undefeated again, 16 minutes and 41 seconds of a breathless wrestling affair. Now, me and Ash were not particularly happy with Moxley's first few matches in New Japan wrestling, and we said that once, or what Ash said, once he's had three matches in a row that are really, really good, then I'll believe in him. And I think Ash probably believes in him now because this was excellent. And it wasn't up there with the Ishii match. I don't think it was as good as that. But certainly this was well put together, well organized. Nato and Moxley kind of made for one another. You know, the Tranquilio laid back. Let's not rush things. Let's just take our time, Tetsuya Nato, versus the intense John Moxley. This worked really, really well. Perfect pairing for a perfect main event kind of matchup. And it was really, really good. It, the tr- I think the trouble was, this suffered from the fact it wasn't Tomohiro Ishii versus Joshua Juice Robinson, <laughs> which really yeah. should have been the main event. But yeah. this was really good for what it was. What are your thoughts on this one, Marcus? Yeah, agreed. That's the only takeaway from it. I had to follow uh, that match. But uh, this, this, to me, I was looking at this like, this was like an all-ego, um, like, pissing contest between the two of them. And it was great. Um, and it worked really well. They played off each other well, and them going back and forth. Moxley doing the tranquilo was hilarious. Um, and, and like Ash, you know, I, he's really turned me around on starting with that uh, that Ishii match. I mean, you know, like I said before, I'm really happy for him getting to be able to do what he's doing in this tournament and just being able to just break out off all the chains and whatnot. But sometimes his style is not as... Uh, great for me to watch just because it's, it's kind of all over the place. And I prefer, I got so acclimated to seeing that type of style from Suzuki and kind of just fixating that with him. So, yeah, yeah. you know, I think, I think I like Moxley more when he has opponents like Ishii or Nato, kind of like I am with, with, with Zack Sabre. Um, it was another great one, but, but sometimes it is his opponents that brings out the excitement in his matches. But with Moxley and Nato, they just really went balls to the wall here. And, uh, yeah, he got a, he got another win. Didn't expect. I mean, Nato's, you know, for all his ups and downs, he's still one of the, the top guys there. So for, for them to give Max a win over him, I mean, that that says a lot, you know. And, and Nato's got a, He's another one I think a lot of people expected to do do better and, and probably to win here. But you know, they they tell him the story with Max, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, definitely. It, it's it's interesting to see what's going to go on in the next couple of months. I mean. Um, Moxley's got commitments to AEW which is going to be on TV as of this month okay so TV taping starts soon and he'll be needed for that so obviously he's got to get the G1 out of the way first he won't be an everyday guy with New Japan he's kind of more like the Cody run of a couple of years ago um, yeah. so we'll see what happens with him and see where he can fit things in but I think he kind of he's kind of got it now he sees where he's supposed to be I think the, I think the other the thing is like there's guys like him, like you said, Minoru Suzuki wrestles like he does. Tomohiro Ishii wrestles like he does. Togi Makabe wrestles like he does. Goto, to an extent, wrestles like he does. So he's kind of among his own kind, and he isn't necessarily the best of them, if that makes sense. Yeah. That's not, that's not to say he's bad at yeah. all, but he's just, 
it's finding your spot when there's a bunch of guys who do what you do just as well or if not better than you um and like in wwe he was the only guy who did that whereas now he's kind of like that's the norm so you've got to kind of find your space exactly so we shall see with that but yeah right then well that kind of covers everything for nights nine and nights 10 we'll be back on saturday where me and alex will cover nights 11 and 12 and i've seen night 11 and there's some corking matches in that to talk about uh, where do you think this tournament's going, Marcus? Is there anything you are looking forward to seeing? And have you got any ideas on your finalist yet? Uh, not not as of yet. I'm I'm still uh, pulling, uh, maybe looking for, for Bushi because I think he's what, racked up three wins in a row, maybe four, something like that. Uh, yeah, I think so. So I'm looking to see what he does. As far as finalists, I mean, obviously... Um, like you got you got uh Moxley and then uh, maybe let's see yeah it's like Osprey and others but it's it's kind of still up in the air right now but there are clearly guys who will go by this I guess this point mathematically eliminated so um, it's helping but right now I think it's still I think it's still kind of up there what about you for me um I'm well, I mean you kind of got to go with Moxley and Okada yeah. and. I have for years said that I've always wanted to see Okada win the tournament whilst IWGP Heavyweight Champion. And also, point that though, you don't have to point out, he would have won the IWGP title after winning the New Japan Cup and have the G1 Climax. And I'm not sure New Japan are ready to do that with him. It would also put him the third uh, winning, it would also equal Tanahashi's record of three G1s, which isn't up there with Chono, but you know, puts him on that level pegging. There isn't a lot for him left to do as far as winning championships concerned in New Japan Pro Wrestling, so it'd be nice for him to do it, but I'm not sure if they're kind of prepared for that. Also, we don't know where Moxley's going, so if Moxley wins the tournament and then faces the IWGP Heavyweight Champion at Wrestle Kingdom, that would be a big money ticket selling kind of like, especially for an American audience, you know, there's all sorts of things you can do with that to headline Wrestle Kingdom. So we'll have to see, but I'm, I'm not completely sure yet. I don't yeah. really know. Especially um, if they keep him going into that match as U.S. champ as well. So Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That, that's the way things should go, I think. We will see. But anyway, thank you very much for listening today. My name's James Trooper. You can find me at Sheriff Lone Star on Twitter. You can find Marcus at Paradox Kid on Twitter. Thank you for your time, sir. Oh, you're always welcome. Always a pleasure, man. You can get back to watching The Boys now when it comes out on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping that they have managed to clean some of it up because some of the boys is it's not stuff you necessarily want everyone to see. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's funny because it's it's uh it's already out over here and I've already watched it and apparently they pulled because I'm not familiar uh, with the source material. Apparently they pulled back some stuff to make it work for a television audience. So uh, while still riding that line, so <laughs> the boys is what. Yeah. The boys is the boys is my favorite comic book series, and it is just grim, just uh, grim. <laughs> uh, I did not know that. I'm looking forward to seeing what you think about it because I think they pulled out some cracking performances, specifically from Homelander. So, yeah, it, it, yeah, because it is just like it, it's. Oh, I I can't do it justice by just talking about it. But for those of you who don't know what the boys is. Essentially, it's an anti-superhero team led by the CIA by a former uh, Royal Marine called Billy the Butcher. And that kind of like sets it up. Yeah. Uh, Billy the Butcher with the female who's, uh, uh, well, a 
Japanese mutant, basically. Um, and Mother's Milk, who's a former army ranger sergeant, and the Frenchie, who's a crazy French assassin. And they, they discover this young Scottish gentleman who ends up being a, a, on their team. And it's... It, it, Oh, it's mental. It's just, it's just so good. I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm different. I, I had no idea that that was your favorite, but but I'm um <laughs> the highlight of my day now. Um, but I, <laughs> I'm familiar with the source material, but I I adore the show. I think it's one of the best things that's been put out in terms of that's the superhero genre in 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 a very long time, and everybody's uh, falling into it. So I'm, I'm I'm definitely looking forward to seeing hearing your thoughts on it. Well, I mean, uh, the, the Scottish guy, and I can't remember the character's name, but he was actually based on Simon Pegg. His physical look was based on Simon Pegg. So, and Simon Pegg wrote the foreword for the for the paperback first edition. And he's and, in so, Yeah, yeah. Um, so there you go. It's just just brilliant. And I can't. I'm not. I I despise Amazon Prime because I always end up like, I need a present quick, and I'll do Amazon Prime for a week, then forget to cancel it and get charged for it. So. <laughs> So I'm like, I'm trying to wait till there's a deal so I can just like go on Amazon Prime for a week, binge watch the whole season and then then cut off Amazon Prime. But we'll see. <laughs> anyway, um, yes, thank you for listening to us. You can find us on Twitter, The Troopany Show. No, Twitter, Troopany Show. You can find us on Facebook, The Troopany Show. And you can find us on, um, yeah, on your Patreon there where you can keep The Troopany Show free for everyone forever. Thank you to our subscribers on Patreon. You do actually pay for all of our costs, which is really, really nice of you. We appreciate it. Later in the week, we will have uh, the Wrestling Rewind will make its return. We're sorry about last week, but uh, Dara was kind of stuck and he couldn't get things together. But he was back this week with a new episode. Uh, yesterday, we had our Telling Stories, which is based about the fabulous Royal Brothers, one of my favorite tag teams ever. Um, and if you like the Young Bucks, and if you like um, Pentagon and uh, Phoenix, you'll find out some things about the Royal Brothers kind of like presage them by a good 30 years. So you should go have a look at that. I'll have a listen to that and then go watch some Royal Brothers matches. We will be back on Saturday, probably Sunday morning by the time I've edited it with me and Alex talking G1. Um, and we might have an extra special show about Sendai Girls in the UK with me and John Dinsdale later in the week as well. It's a busy time at the Troopany show, but that's the way the G1 cuts. Take care and we'll speak to you soon. Bye. Thank you, man.